Welcome to the War Room on KOKC. I'm Sean Fry, your host. Today's going to be a different show than normal. There's no guests, no recapping local sports, at least not in a traditional sense. Instead, I'm going to give my thoughts and perspectives on what happened in Kansas City on Wednesday when a mass shooting is what punctuated the Super Bowl parade that was meant to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl title over to San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe we need far more vigor and action with regards to guns in America. I also know how probably the majority of my audience feels about guns, at least the majority of Kansans. Here's my one ask, and then I'll get into everything I want to say. Hear what I have to say with an open mind. I think more open-mindedness in America is always a healthy thing. I can always be more open-minded, and I ask you to do the same. So first, let's I'm going to recap just a few facts from what happened on Wednesday afternoon in Kansas City. Uh, mass shooting broke out at Union Station. Uh, it was the result of a dispute uh, right after the Super Bowl parade had ended. Uh, two juveniles were charged with crimes connected to the mass shooting to the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. Uh, in Missouri, uh, defendants 17 and under are just educated with far more privacy than adults. Names and probable cause statements and affidavits aren't released in juvenile cases in Missouri. In Missouri, those charged with murder can be tried as adults starting at age 12 and up. What the charges are, we don't know. And those decisions as to whether any of those people are going to be charged with murder, uh, are, they're going to be made later by judges. We don't know those answers. I don't know those answers. And that's not what I'm going to speculate on here today. A mother and a local DJ for KKFI, Lisa Lopo, local to the Kansas City area. So let me be clear about that. Uh, for KKFI, Lisa Lopez Galvan died in the gunfire that ensued after the dispute. She was a mom and a member of the media. And while I didn't know you, Lisa, I pray for your family and everybody here at KLKC sends their best wishes to everybody at KKFI in dealing with this in dealing with a senseless tragedy. Uh, 22 others, more than half of them children were injured in the shooting. Um, at the time, it was the 49th shooting, or the 49th mass shooting in America, more than one a day. Since then, there have been four more. At the time I'm recording this, which is Sunday, February 18th, there have been 53 mass shootings and eight mass murders in America. And that's actually a little bit down. Still too much. Still more than one a day. The number of children killed. Are 31, and that's ages 8 to 11, eight, 0 to 11. The number of teenagers, 12 to 17. This is all according to the Gun Violence Archive online. Uh, the number of teens, ages 12 to 7, killed are 160. There's the numbers are too much. One thing I wanted to at least start early on in this show with. What in mirroring something I heard was that thoughts and prayers are cliche, but I am somebody that believes that prayer works. 
But to me, prayer must be active. It is it is not something that, at least in my Catholic faith, that I was brought up in. It is not something that you just ask God to do something for you, and hope and pray that by His good will it happens. Prayer is using our faith, our belief in God, which sets our values and using them alongside whatever power we have to affect change in God's will. That is what prayer looks like to me. We have a responsibility to be champions for life. I think we need to cherish the sanctity of life in this country. I said before on this show, you can't be pro-life and not respect the sanctity of the lives of mothers that minorities in this country that suffer at disproportionate rates. You cannot be pro-life and not address the issue of gun violence in America, an issue that is so uniquely American. Everybody watching Kansas City on Wednesday, everybody watching Chiefs fans, Mid-America's team. That's how we showed ourselves on Wednesday. That moment of the Super Bowl win, which is so happy and so unifying and so it brings so much joy to everybody to watch the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, just like it does to every city that their team that their team wins a title. That shooting took it away, and it's just gone. It felt shattered. I watched the Super Bowl, and I watched Chiefs games with a group of friends, and we all have varying degrees of political and social beliefs as far to the left and as far to the right as they get. I promise you, we were all hugging and cheering after Patrick Mahomes threw that ball to McCole Hardman in overtime. That moment And what it meant to me feels gone after the shooting. And knowing that a moment that was meant to commemorate and encapsulate what we were all feeling is now stained by gun violence, by the death of a mother, by the shooting of children, committed by children who probably shouldn't have had guns. We are more segregated in this country. We are more divided in this country. But I I hate it. I hate the word divided. I hate it. One, because it's cliche, and I'm not the hugest fan of cliches. But two, because using that word divided comes with an excuse to remain entrenched on your own side. Oh, we're divided, and I'm over here. We're divided, and I'm over there. People want to say that that shooting is not representative of who we are as American. It is. Gun violence is American. And it affects every single one of us. It's happening at championship parades, and it's not just the Chiefs. 
It happened in Denver when the Denver Nuggets won the NBA title. The mayor of Kansas City said that parades will still happen in Kansas City, but we're close to a reckoning in in this specific niche of parades celebrating sports championships, which I think are such a good thing. But if it was me, and I'm not criticizing the mayor of Kansas City or any lawmaker or policymaker that wouldn't take this route. They're smarter than me. They know how to, they have more information at their disposal, and I trust them to make the right decisions. But there's a case and a true question as to whether or not championship parades are safe at this point. Are mass gatherings safe at this point? Imagine instead of the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City to uh, celebrate the Chiefs, there's a celebration rally at Arrowhead Stadium. A rally where everybody that enters the door gets patted down for us. It's, it's safer. It's a more controlled environment. But guess what? Arrowhead Stadium has a limited capacity of just under 80,000 people. Obviously, if you sell standing room tickets, stuff like that, you, you, you can push it up a little bit. There were a million people in Kansas City for the parade. There were a million people who took the opportunity to go on a sidewalk or a lawn or to Union Station, wherever in Kansas City, for free, outside of whatever travel costs that you spent to get there, outside of gas and sustenance. Uh, They went out there with their families and their friends, fellow Chiefs revelers, to celebrate that moment of a Super Bowl championship. And guess what? Patrick Mahomes is going to walk right by you or, or, or ride right by you and celebrate it with you. If there's a celebration at Arrowhead, that's a gate-kept event in the name of safety. And I bet you it gets put behind a paywall because you probably need a ticket to get in. We're starting to take, we are getting to a point where more and more things are going to be taken in order to preserve this notion that the virtually unabated access to guns that we have as Americans to, to preserve that unabated access to guns. I want to tell the story of Winter Snyder. Winter Snyder, a form a Humboldt graduate, Humboldt High School graduate. She was a state champion in powerlifting. Uh, she's also a former Labette Cardinals, Labette Community College softball All-American. Uh, she was someone who played at Labette for three years, 2021, 22, and 23. Uh, you get a three-year athlete, uh, you know, someone who was certainly a very, uh, she had a very unique personality, uh, and, and so I got to know her over the course of three years. She's one of the athletes, you know, among the dozens that I have developed, uh, you know, closer relationships uh, compared to the hundreds and hundreds of athletes that I've covered. Nothing against the hundreds and hundreds. There's always, you're always just naturally going to gravitate towards certain people, uh, and Winter was one of them. Uh, Winter had her junior and senior year of high school softball taken from her. Junior year was lost to injury. Her senior year was canceled by the pandemic when spring sports nationwide were canceled. She came to Labette Community College and spent three seasons becoming the school's career leader in home runs. In her second year, she was an NJCAA All-American. That 2022 season, she only struck out four times. The entire season, four times. Four times she struck out. One of the craziest stats I've ever reported on and remember seeing. Just just a crazy, I mean, strike out four times in an entire season? What a luxury 
She was one of the most dangerous hitters in the nation. After that season, though, after that second year, her father died while her and her family were out fishing near Gerard. Winter spent what she said was over half an hour giving CPR as they awaited first responders. I did a profile feature story, whatever, on Winter telling that story right before or right during her third year, I believe. And Winter will get me on this if I was wrong. I believe it may have been between her first and second year that that happened. I apologize if I got that wrong. On Wednesday, the day of the shooting, I'm sitting in the Labette, I'm sitting in the Labette softball dugout uh, covering a doubleheader. Ryan Phillips, the head coach, he began that day with 499 career wins, and Labette was playing a JV team. Nothing against the Oklahoma Wesleyan JV, but Labette, which is a solid top 30 program in Division II in the NJCAA, they weren't going to have problems beating. They, they weren't going to have so many problems beating that Oklahoma Wesleyan JV team, given where Labette's program is at right now. So, myself... Some of the players, assistant coach Audrey Miller, we were bracing and loving the opportunity to prepare a celebration for Ryan getting his 500th win. His family was there. We were all primed for it. A milestone that took 200, not 200, I'm sorry, a milestone that took 20 years for Ryan to get. He took a program in its infancy, spent six seasons before he got a winning season there. The guy has grinded for twenty for two decades, two-thirds of my lifetime, to get that program where it is. And we were going to commemorate him become he is the winningest. He's the second all-time winningest coach in the conference. The first is Lana Ross at, K, at Kansas City, Kansas, and she did most of her damage at Iowa Western. Ryan does have the most conference wins in the Kansas Jayhawk Conference. And he has the second most overall. That was what that day was supposed to be about. But in the middle of that series, I get a text message from Winter, who I knew was at the parade, but I hadn't heard about the shooting. I was, I was busy taking photos. I was busy doing my job. And she texts me. She goes, I'm okay. There was a shooting. I'm close with Ryan and his family. They hosted me for Thanksgiving the last two years on a day that was supposed to be about him. In that moment, it felt like another moment was being taken from us as the trauma that gun violence and that, that trauma of gun violence found its way two hours south of Kansas City and into that dugout. Winter was lucky to get home alive. I, t- I texted her. I was like, don't speed. Be on alert. Be calm and collected with your friends who you went there with. Get home safely and on purpose. I did a story, you know, because I have that relationship with Leonard, I was able to do a story this past week, you know, that came out in Friday's edition of both the Parson Sign and the Student Tribune, detailing what Winter experienced during the shooting. Uh, Winter estimated she was 20 feet away from where the shots started ringing out on the west side of Union Station. She traveled with two friends to the parade to celebrate the Chiefs title. Video she took that she showed me, but we didn't publish, showed bystanders and first responders attending the victims covered in blood. Winter got separated from her friends in the chaos as they ran away, and Winter had to hide behind a truck. From behind that truck, Winter called her mom, and I'll read the quote that Winter gave me as to what she said to her mom in that moment. 
I had, quote, I had to call my mom five, six, seven times before I finally got through. I was only able to tell her that there was an active shooter and I was hiding. Then the phone cut out. The same mother that lost her husband had to wait before she learned her daughter didn't suffer a similar fate. Winter went back to work on Thursday morning at a factory and said she was getting spooked out all day, jumpy all day from the loud noises. We don't have to get lucky like Winter got lucky. We don't have to get lucky in other theaters of life. The car that Winter drove home was regulated in every step of its production. The roads are governed and regulated. But any regulation of gun violence in America, any gun regulation is just taboo to people. We are taking moments of celebration from America's youth and we're forcing growth instead. And the culture of people who where gun regulation, regulation, regulating gun violence is just so taboo and verboten. It's just so ridiculous to me. Ronald Reagan, a divine figure among conservatives, passed sweeping gun control measures when he was the governor of California, measures that were supported by the National Rifle Association. The NRA, as you know it today, as this as this single-minded, super anti-gun ref- gun control reform, that is, that is a very modern iteration of the NRA. That is not what the NRA was, looked like even 30 years ago. We're brainless, and people are just brainless. They make arguments that laws shouldn't exist because criminals do. The good guy with a gun argument. There were 800 cops, snipers on roofs at Kansas City. And all it took was an instant. And all those good guys with all those guns were there to respond in the aftermath. After a life had been taken. After children had been shot. After there were over 20 victims. After winter was hiding in the truck. 17 Kansans for every 100,000 of us every year die from gun violence, a rate nearly three people above the national average. In Kansas, we don't have background checks for handgun purchases, concealed carry permits for those over 21. We don't have red flag laws. We don't require that firearms be stored, locked, unloaded, and separated from ammunition, even if there are children living in the house. There is no requirement in Kansas for childproofing features on new models of guns. There's no ban on high-capacity magazines. There's no requirement that guns recovered at crime scenes are traced in a federal database. And I understand the shooting happened in Missouri, but this is what is true of us that happened here in Kansas. According to the Pew Research Center, 60% of of adults in this country say gun violence is, quote, a very big problem. And only 4% say it's not a problem. So no matter what side you're on with regards to gun violence, virtually everybody admits it's a problem. You're in the minority of a minority if you don't think guns pose threats to Americans of all ages. For those who say mental health 
is the chief concern, you're just as asinine if you think our healthcare infrastructure, much less our mental healthcare infrastructure, can adequately address the issue. Healthcare in this country is a joke. It is just as problematic as gun violence in this country. People go bankrupt, lose their livelihoods, lose their lives because of healthcare in this country, just like they do to gun violence. I promise you, gun violence is going to find its way into our communities at our local sports. And that's why I bring it up here on this show. It's not going to be in some faraway land. No, it's going to come. It is coming. It is just a matter of time. Every single game I cover, every single one of every sport, with the exception of maybe track, and even track, they get a little crazy. Every single game I cover, I see fans borderline unhinged as they scream at officials and coaches. What happens when those fans have guns? And I know they're not allowed in schools. That sticker is really doing a big job of, yeah, that, that sticker is really going to stop them. That sticker on the front of the door that says, don't bring a gun in here. Yeah, that's going to stop them. Just a few weeks ago, I'm at a game and a fan stormed towards the court after a technical foul. What if that fan had a gun? I go back to what I said early on in this show, which is that prayer must be active. The majority of Kansans are Christian, myself included. I am a confirmed Catholic. We have got to do more. And I don't have the answers. I'm not a policymaker. I have opinions on, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to that list. I think we need background checks. I think we need concealed carry permits for all ages. I think we need red flag laws, which would allow people to petition the court to remove guns from people who may be a, a harm to them or, or maybe imminent dangers to the to themselves or others because that still preserves due process they get to go before a in front of a judge and make their case i think firearms need to be stored securely and i understand a lot of responsible gun owners do that and i'm near the end of my rant here but I'm going to defend the utility that guns provide so many. There's a case for them for self-defense. Hell, I think I, I, I think I, I think every gas station should have one. I, I defend its utility in hunting and sport. There is real utility that guns do provide that I will defend the rights of those. And I understand most people are probably very responsible gun owners, but there's also nearly a million stolen guns in this country. Maybe we need to rethink about what responsible gun ownership means. Leaving your gun in a car unlocked, that's not responsible gun ownership. And maybe those people need to be held accountable the people who let those children in Kansas City be shot by giving other children 
guns they probably shouldn't have had. Those people need to be held accountable. That'll do it for the War Room this week. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe and God bless.